Can love stewardship. And so we're in this series on stewardship. And so last week, we talked a little bit about being a steward of our gifts and talents, being a steward of our relationships with others, and talked a lot about how we're stewards of our family and stewards with our, of our relationships with coworkers. And then talked about our, we were a steward of our relationship with God. And, and so the idea behind this is to look into the Word of God and look at some, some different areas that God has entrusted to us. So today we're going to talk about being good stewards of our time, money, and eternity. I don't know about you, but there aren't, there, those are three things that I think about often. Anybody else? Time, money, and eternity. If, if you look at the scripture in Romans, I believe it's fourteen twelve. it says, So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. That means that I am going to stand before God one day and God's going to ask me what I did with my life because remember, God's gift to me is life. What I do with my life is my gift to God. So, I, I, I have, if you, and if you really believe that, if you're not here just to check the box that you went to church, if you actually really believe that, if you, and you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that you're going to stand before God one day and give an account for your life, it will completely change the way you steward the things that God has given you. Because you can't take it with you, right? You remember the Monopoly series sermon? It all goes back in the box. I mean, at the end of the game, it all goes back in the box. You can't take it with you. And so, we get to stand before God one day, redeemed, saved, by, by the grace of God through what Jesus did, but we also are going to stand before God and give an account of what we did with ourselves. Uh, let's look at this next scripture right here, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So I have to ask my question, myself this question. The things that God has said in His Word, they're important, like my family, like relationships, like gifts, like talents, like my time, like my money, like, like my eternal salvation. How, where am I sowing seeds into those areas? Cantaloupe stewardship. I've got to be a good steward of those because God gave them to me. And again, if you really read the Bible, then you have to have this thought, and hopefully you believe this if you're a Christ follower, everything you had, God gave you. Every, everything you have, God gave you. Now, there might be some of us who work a little harder than others, and so we might have a little bit more, because the Bible talks about that too. But, and there may be some of us that work our tail off and don't have as much as the other person. But if we're, we're content in what we have, and we realize that everything we have, God gave us. He blessed us with. All good things come from the throne of the Father. i got a knife in my hand. <laughs> It happens often. So, I'm going to cut a cantaloupe. What's inside a cantaloupe? Cantaloupe. So, I just found out all of you who attended last week said seeds. So the rest of you just told on yourself. There's cantaloupe. There's goodness in here. And here's the idea. If I'm going to give an account for my life, and I want to be the type of person that lives out 2 Corinthians and so generously, I'd be a generous person with my, with my time, with my gifts, with my talents, with my money, with my resource, with my attitude, with my smile, with, in my relationships, with my kids, I'm, I'm gonna, with my marriage. If, if I'm going to really think God gave me all of that and they belong to Him anyway, then I've got to be sowing seeds into those places, godly seeds. So inside this, there's a ton of seeds. 
Look at that. I can't get them all out. And that's just one side. So here's the idea. Well, why in the world is this goofy guy cutting a cantaloupe up? If I love cantaloupes, and I open this cantaloupe up, and I eat it all, seeds and everything, and a few months later I think, you know what, I would really like to have a cantaloupe. I'm not going to have a cantaloupe because I didn't take some of the cantaloupe, put it in the ground, water it, take care of it, be a good steward of it. However, inside this cantaloupe is probably a thousand cantaloupes. There's probably a thousand seeds in there. I did the research. You only have to have one cantaloupe seed to grow one cantaloupe. I'm smart, man. So, so stewardship defined is this. The position and duties of a steward, a person who acts as the surrogate of another, are others, especially by managing property, financial affairs, and estate, etc. Webster says this, The responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. Wow! That's, that's heavy. Because when we talk about time, you're going to have... Th- this is not one of those, I told you last week, rah rah re. Uh, kick him in the knee type. I won't do it. <laughs> rah, rah, rass, kick him in the other knee. <laughs> my grandpa taught me that. And I sat at the dinner table one night. My mom looked at my father and said, he has to stop hanging out with your grandfather. <laughs> it, it's, it's not really excitable, but it's very challenging. It's very challenging. And, and I think in our Christian walk, we love to float on the clouds a lot. And those mountaintop experiences are awesome. But if we don't apply this book to our everyday life, two things like time, two things like money, two things like eternity, then we're really living a pseudo-Christianity. And so uh, the things I say today are straight from the Word of God, and I, just, I want us all to be challenged. I've been very challenged right in this series. The responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. Back to the thought, do you believe that everything you had God gave you? Alright, so if you believe that... It's worth caring for and preserving. Good? So let's get into this. Number one, I'm a steward of my time. Psalms 90, 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wow. Teach us to number our days. Now I know it's not really fun to think about dying. I mean, hopefully we just don't all sit around every day thinking about dying. Um, yet, I think it was yesterday we had the opportunity as a community church to do an awesome celebration service for our awesome lady. You could tell because the place was packed. And it, it, was, it was really neat to be able to celebrate. But I, I said these words to the people as I was giving the, the message. Our days are numbered. And at some point you've got to think about that. Teach me to number our days. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So if I'm a steward of my time, at some point I can't get so busy, run here to there to the other place and do this and that and this and that. How many of you have those days, and you don't have to raise your hand, I know all of us do, where you wake up late, your body tells you it's early, your iPhone tells you you're late, right? And you scurry around, get ready, mean to your family before you leave because you're so important. I got to get out, honey, could you take the trash out? No! I, I would never do that. No, 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 no. And then, 
and then you go throughout the day, and you, you go here, you go there, and you're, 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 you're just so frantic, and then you finally get to a point where you lay your head down on the pillow at midnight, and you go, what just happened? What, what really just happened just then? See, there's some of us in this room right now who have, who have maybe lost loved ones or, or maybe are, are dealing with people who are sick right now. And, and we would say, you know what, time is so precious. And, and, and the psalmist is saying, look, God, teach me to number my days that we, we might, I might gain a, a heart of wisdom. How am I spending my time? Let's start here. Are you spending time with God? Because that's where a heart of wisdom comes from. If I'm going to be a good steward of my time, I've got to start with the guy who gave me my time. And he's the Lord of the universe, the one who created everything that we know. And I've got to think just a little bit about reading this love letter that he, he wrote to me. And uh, Jason, you say that all the time. I'm going to keep saying it. Because this, this right here is what will keep a church on track. Because if you're reading your Bible, you don't have time to gossip. And when you do gossip, you are convicted about it. When you're spending time with God, and, and, and so if I'm a steward of my time, I have to set aside time for God. Because He set aside eternity for me. How pompous and important can we be that we would say, I just don't have time to read my Bible? And we're going to see, we're going to meet God one day. And we're going to fall on our face. I mean, in the Bible, when someone met an angel, they fell down in fear. And angels are like employees of God. So if you think an angel's scary, think about meeting God. Unbelievable. And at that moment, are you really going to think in your heart and look at God and say, God, I'm sorry, but I was just too busy to spend time with you. I mean, I know you're God. But... I was important. I had it going on. Think about it. Because if we believe God gave us, we all have the same amount of time. We all get 24 hours in a day. And what's awesome about serving the Lord is you get to decide what you do with that time. Right? We, we all get the same amount of time every day. But we get to decide what we do. That We get to be a steward of that time. And when you begin to see time as a resource from God, it will change the way you spend your time. Completely. Right? You may turn the TV off for a little bit. I said this in the first service. Are you spending more time watching TV than you are with God? And then I said, there, God put a clause in Hezekiah 49.89. Sports are not included in that. Because <laughs> watching sports isn't really watching TV. We all get the same amount of time. And so what are we doing with our time? Are we spending time with God? Are we spending time with our family? Are we being a good steward of our time? Are we serving in the community? Are we, we going deeper with God and maybe going to a Bible study, going to a life group? Going, what are we doing with our time? Because our days are numbered. We know that, the Bible says. Let's look at Ecclesiastes, I believe it is, 3.1. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There's time for everything. But there's a season for everything. And here's what happens. When I'm not a good steward of my time because I'm acting outside of the season that God has me and I grow weary. I mentioned the worship night Friday night. 
And so Friday's my day off, and I hardly ever go anywhere. I try not to go anywhere on Friday, like within a 10-mile radius of my house. I, I do a lot on Friday, but I try not to make any appointments. I try to model that for my staff also. And so Rain and I are sitting around on Friday reading or something, and um, our, our friends are in town from L.A., and I was like, I, you want to go? And she's like, well, it's up to you. You know, I'll go with you. And I said, yeah, I think we ought to go. And, and so we came, and it was glorious, awesome. I was uplifted, like I said. We had a great time. And um, I, I got to thinking on the way home, and I, I think we may even have talked about this. Five years ago, both of my kids are still at home. Six, seven years ago, we wouldn't have came. Brad wouldn't have cared. Like, he would have been, yeah, cool, dude. But over the years, we've taken a lot of heat from people of not showing up at events. Well, the pastor's not here. Yeah, because the pastor's fishing with his son. Now my son's never around, so we came to the worship night. <laughs> Can't find him. Don't cry. <laughs> Celebrate. Come on. But here's my point. Here's my point. There's a season, a time for everything, but there's a season that we operate in. Six years ago, that wasn't our season. Now, we're in a different season. And when you spend your time trying to operate in a season that you don't belong in, you grow weary. In other words, if you try to be everything to everybody at the expense of yourself and those around you, you're not operating in your season because God's a God of season. Read the Bible. All through the Bible, every person in the Bible that did great things for God, they went through seasons of their life. They went through different seasons, and in those different seasons, they did different things. And, and I believe with all my heart, if we can actually learn to spend time with God and live in the season that God has us in, we'll stay rejuvenated. We'll stay refreshed. I've gotten up before on a, a Sunday morning and and had been so exhausted and so tired and had spent so much time working and doing other things and funerals and this and that and the other. And I'd be driving to the church and I'd go, God, you know I'm unprepared. But you also know that I have not wasted one minute this week. And in those times, I tell you every time God shows up, puts His words in my mouth. Now, if I've been playing golf and fishing and goofing off and doing this and that and the other, and do, which all those are good. Amen? Good. Yeah, yeah. In moderation. Yeah, yeah. But, but and then there are times that I've, I've felt that emptiness inside of me, and God still shows up. But in my heart, I knew I, I, didn't, I didn't steward my time right this week. Right? So, so the idea is, are we being good stewards of our time? Are we, are we taking care of ourselves spiritually, physically? Are we, are we being good stewards of our time? And that, that's a great question, isn't it? That's a question that we all have to ask ourselves. Because, like, right now, there's a Jack Bauer clock right back there. Some of you know who Jack Bauer is? Okay, good. I hit on something there. And that clock's going to tell me when I have to shut up. If, it, if I don't, Raina's going to go. Because we're going to do this again in a minute. I'm, I'm, we're governed by time. And you say, well, I don't let the clock tell me what to do. Yeah, really? Really? Yeah, just flow. Go with the flow. Yeah. And you live in a van down by the river. <laughs> if we're going to... Here, here's the deal. It's a very applicable message. 
if we're going to do great things for God, then we have to be good stewards of our time. It's just, it's just the bottom line. Because we all get the same amount of time. Teach us, O oh Lord, to number our days so that we may have a heart of wisdom. And there is a time for everything in its season. It's a good thought. Number two, I'm a steward of my money. Everybody say money. money. I don't know why pastors hate to talk about money. Like, because Jesus talked about it a lot. And, and you know, when I talk about money, which I don't do much, and like we don't pass a plate here, nobody should feel forced to give. But money is an important part of our life. Would you agree? Anybody in this room that can go the whole week next week without thinking about money, touching money, or using money, I want to know you. It's a huge, it's a part, important part of our life. Malachi says this, Malachi 3.10, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And you may be here today and you're like, you know what? Tithe, I don't believe in tithing. That's the law. Actually, tithing's pre-law. Tithing goes all the way back to Cain and Abel when they brought God a sacrifice and he goes, that's not, that's not your first fruits. Abram t- teaches about tithing. teaches about how bring your first fruits. What is a tithe? It's 10%. It's 10% of everything God's given you. And right now we're talking about money. So 10% of my money should be going to God if I'm living biblically. Right? Now, listen to me. Don't sit there and zone out on me. Because I don't get your money. I'm, it's right. I, I have a salary. It's set. I work hard. I work diligently. And I try to do a very good job of leading this church and being a pastor. But it's not... Uh, I could do better. It, it, so when I talk about money, it's coming from a heart. I'm your pastor and I'm your friend. And Raina and I have practiced giving to God, practiced tithing for 18 years now. And I understand the blessings that come through in obedience by bringing my tithe to the Lord. It's an act of worship. And we've experienced that. And I'd be a terrible friend and a really bad pastor if I didn't share that with you. 18% of our church tithes. 35% of our church gives anything. Wow. Let the Lord step on your toes right now. Because again, this ain't about a building. This is not about... I've said this before. You don't go... You're like, all the church wants is my money. You don't go to the mall and go, all the mall wants is my money. (laughs) You don't, do you, Joe? No, you don't walk through the doors and go, all the, tr- all the mall wants is my money. Well, sure they want your money. Here, here's, here's what I'm trying to get across to you, is I want you to experience the blessing of obedience. Because there's, a, there's a amazing, another part of your life that opens up with God when, when, you, when you trust Him with everything He's given you. I dare you. So, so Anthony, are you here? Okay, come here. So, here. <laughs> Anthony always gets nervous when I look for him and ask him to do something. But we've already done this once. You're never nervous. Only going to the doctor. Only, only needles and spiders. You ever want to get Anthony really good? He hates spiders. <laughs> Don't tell people that. Like, that would be like cranks everywhere. Like Gurley hates them. It's okay. So he, he, he had a spider in his house one time and he called a friend to come over and help him kill it. 
Uh, no shame on that. <laughs> In his defense, the thing was about that big. It looked like it came out of... Okay, you ready? So, I got ten cantaloupes here. This represents all that God's trusted me with, financially. So I got ten cantaloupes, and we'll go from the end of the month backwards. So um, God's blessed me enough to be able to pay my bills. He's blessed me enough to be able to have a house or an apartment. He's blessed me enough to be able to have food on the table. He's blessed me enough to be able to every once in a while go to a movie. Are we doing okay here? I don't This is weird. This is different. Here. Okay, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Right. Hang on, hang on to him, dude. Alright, so this is everything that God's given me. Alright? And I want you to think about this, guys, the next time you get paid. Bring your first fruits. And so, there's nine. Now, Anthony can handle nine. You know why? Because we were created to handle nine. But when Anthony tries to handle all ten, that was not even purpose. <laughs> See, some of you in this room right now, and you're like, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford to give God money. And, and it seems to be uh, there's a hole in your bank account, and you don't know where the money goes, but there's never enough money there. Well, i got a challenge for you. If there's never enough money there, what's another 10% going to hurt that you don't have? <laughs> Just saying. Because I hear that all the time, I'm so broke, I'm so broke, I'm so broke, I'm so broke. Yeah, you're broke like a broken record because you keep saying you're so broke because you're not trusting God with everything He's given you. God said, test me in this. Test me. The idea of trusting God with everything He's given you is a brilliant, magnificent way to live. Let's look at this next scripture. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So the idea behind tithing may be new to you. But don't write the check or get online and put your credit card in or give something in one of the offering boxes. I'm not going to get to go out to eat this week. Well, bless your heart. 97% of the world don't even have food to eat. So, well, cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. You know, I've got some, some people, some men in my life, they, and, and they, over the years they've struggled with the idea of tithing. And every one of them are very, very wealthy, and every one of them give way more than their tithe. Isn't that funny? They, and, and, and you can say this, well, if I made that much money, I could tithe too. If you can't tithe on a hundred, you can't tithe on a million, I assure you. Right? There's, there's an amazing thing that happens when you give generously. Let me tell you a story. Rain and I were youth pastors in Memphis. And youth pastors don't make a lot of money. Um, we were well taken care of, though. And so we have been wanting to buy a house terribly bad. Because the, the neighborhood that we were living in, we were renting a house. And it wasn't unnormal for us to wake up at night and hear, You think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. And you always knew when the cops showed up because you'd hear, Bang! I'm like, why don't you give the cops the ones that go, do, 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 so they can fight back? <laughs> like, I'm not kidding you. You would know, wouldn't you? We'd be sitting up in bed, and she'd be like, go check on the kids. And, do, 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 do. And it's gangs shooting at each other. And when the cops showed up, you'd hear, pow. 
<laughs> Pow! This makes no sense to me. So, we wanted to move. And so, anyway, we were in Phoenix, Arizona at pastor school at Phoenix First Assembly. And we went out to eat with my pastor and a bunch of our staff that night after one of the, the sessions. And uh, met, ran into a guy, his name's Mike Rogers. Um, and we met and hung out for a bit. About three weeks later, back in Memphis, he called my pastor and said, Hey, I want to hang out with your youth pastor. I'm going to be in town. He owns towers that do sell. He owns a helicopter selling company. Everything the guy. He went to buy a helicopter one time, couldn't find one, so he started selling them. <laughs> Made sense to him. <laughs> now he sells a bunch of helicopters. I don't, yeah. Everything he touches turns to gold because he gives most of it away, basically. So anyway, so I'm like, Ron, like, should I go to lunch with this guy? Because he, like, he's kind of he's from Texas. He's very, he's a very humble man. But like, I'm like, I don't know this guy. Like, should he goes. You do what you want to. If I were you, I'd go. So we go out to lunch, and when he said, I want to see your youth facility. So we go back, and we're walking and praying. He's a prayer warrior. We're praying and walking, and he goes, if you could do anything in here, what would you do? And this was back in the early 2000s. This is when the, the uh, what do you call them? Um, trusses. The tr- you, you've been to stage. This is where you see the trusses go up, and the lights come off of them. Over the top. They look like a triangle. Good? You need to get out more. Come on. <laughs> And I thought, trust is young. And he goes, they'll be here in eight days. Sure enough, eight days on the dot, an uh, uh, 18-wheeler pulled up with like four or $5,000 worth of trusses, sent somebody to put them in, put lights on them. It was awesome. And he goes, well, tell me about what, what you're dreaming about right now. And this was while we were still praying. I didn't think the guy was going to send trusses, believe me. I was like, this guy's blowing smoke. You know, I, don't, I don't know him. Why is he going to send an 18-wheeler with trust? Anyway, but I told him that's what we would like to have. And I said, well, Rain and I really been wanting to buy a house. And so he pulls out his checkbook after we're done praying, and he writes a check for $5,000. Now, $5,000, still a bunch of money at that moment. So I, looked at the, I didn't look at the name. I said, Mike, is this for the church, or is this for me? And he said, well, look at the name. And it had Jason and Raina Byers on it. And I was like, man, I'm, thank you. I still thought the check might bounce. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I called Raina. I was like, hey, we've got a down payment on the house. Right, and again, five, two thousand one, five thousand bucks, and the, the economy there was different than here, and the houses were a lot cheaper. So, man, she gets excited, and starts looking for a house. She's looking for a house, kind of like she is right now. <laughs> she, she's looking for a house. She's looking for a. And what do you think about this one? What do you think about this one? What do you think about this one? Find this house. We drive by. We make an appointment to go see it. And Sunday night. This is back when churches actually had church on Sunday night. I know none of you can remember that. but So we had a Sunday night service. And remember, I'm the youth pastor. So we're sitting there, and Ron preaches a message on youth. And we always had a dream of starting some kind of program. At that time, we didn't know it was going to be Master's Commission. Some kind of program for young people to help them find God's direction in their life. Maybe they had a little rough time. Um, very intense discipleship program. And we did do that, by the way. And it's still going today. Um, but we're sitting there, and this place holds 2,500 people, and there's probably only 200 people left. You know, lingering around the altar. You know what I mean? Listening to music, singing, praying, just hanging out. And the Lord hit me, you need to give that money away. No, God, no. And I talked to God, I said, No. <laughs> But you know, you know that feeling when your stomach starts turning and you know that you know and you start sweating and you're just like... So I leaned over to Raina and I said, you need to pray. And she looked back at me and she said, no, I don't, I know. 
So, I'm, so I leave the altar, I run out to my car, grab my checkbook before I change my mind, and I wrote a check. It was $4,700. I have to be honest with you because we spent $300. <laughs> <laughs> we went to the mall, Jack. We were youth bad. We had no money. <laughs> we went to the mall and they took our money. <laughs> so I'm shaking, man. I'm just shaking like this, shaking, writing this check. So I walked up to Ron and I said, hey, you know, when the band was playing, I said, here, this is for our youth program, whatever, however it takes shape. But we thought at the time maybe like a youth home on a farm somewhere, which I still have the dream to do that. So, so I give it to him. He starts crying. Raina's crying. I start crying. So he stops everything. And he says, look, Pastor Jason and Raina have just sowed a seed for this next youth thing that we're doing. And he even told everybody the amount, which was, I, I was weird over that, but he was just so excited. 200 people, a lot of kids. By the, by the time that we exited that building, three people had been saved. This is after church. Three people had been saved. One person was healed, and there was $19,867 on the communion table. This is better. There was a gentleman that was still there that owned a financing company. That called me promptly on Monday morning and said, Jason, I hear you're looking for a house. I said, yeah, but we don't have a down payment. He said, you know what, don't worry about that. Why don't you call one of the guys that works for me, come see him, find a house. We'd already found the house. Find the house, give us, tell us where it is, how much it is, and we'll work it out. And within three, three weeks, four weeks, we walked into the front door of that house we found. And does that happen every time? No, man, I, no. That's not what I'm getting at. Matter of fact, I was flipping through the TV the other day and I came across Christian television and there was this idiot on there talking. And this is what he was saying. He was, he was preaching. I'm, I'll tell you what he was saying. You tell me if you think he was an idiot. He was preaching on Psalms 91. And so and his whole purpose in saying what he was saying, so he, he, I'm listening to him and, and God will protect us. Ah, da, da, maha, yeah. And I'm like, alright. And then he says this. So all you need to do is sow a seed of $91. And if you sow a seed to this address of $91, I guarantee you God's going to protect your family. I threw up in my mouth, like I did. When I, when I heard that, I was like, how many people are doing that right now? I'd rather somebody get on there and go, hey, trust God with your finance because it's obedience. It's a, spiritual, it's a spiritual discipline. It's just, what we, we, should, we should be good stewards of our money. Psalms 91 blessing. God. Let's look at this, this last one. We'll, we'll skip the, the one after this, Kim. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is a hard one for me and because this carries over into more areas of my life because I'm a very active person. I don't require a lot of sleep and I'll go here and there and do this and that and that goes back to time. But as far as money goes, where am I spending my money? I have to keep up really, I have to make sure in my own heart that my heart is to obey God's word and my heart's not so tied up in the things that I like to do. Right? Because, look, just because you tithe don't mean you don't get to do anything. Right? That's, what's, that's why people don't want to come to church because you guys are bored. You're boring. Not us. 
the church in general. You guys are not boring at all. <laughs> Believe me. So, storing up treasures. Where moth and rust can't destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's go ahead and look at that next passage. By the way, Kim. Alright, so those of you in this room right now say, you know what, I don't believe in tithing. This is the passage for you. Well, I think we ought to give like the New Testament says to give. Let's read this. You ready? As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, gave, she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. Wow. Wherever your heart is, there your treasure is. And this story right here is all about heart. It's about this lady's heart. It wasn't about how much money she gave. It was the fact that Jesus had encountered her to such a point that she wanted to give something. Jesus said, look, these, these people are prancing around, rocking in front of the uh, offering thing and dropping it in. Their chests are puffed out. And they're going to go home and they're going to have uh, a good steak dinner and they're going to have more than enough. And this lady right here, she don't even have a home. Where's she going to go tonight? And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, she's given more than anybody. Wow. Stewardship. I'm a steward of my money. And I hope that makes you uncomfortable. I hope it makes you really uncomfortable. That would lead you to a place of thinking about, am I trusting God with everything He's given me? Because, man, it's, a, it, it's awesome to experience the freedom of obedience in God. And, and there are different areas of your life that you may have a need in. And it's amazing when you trust God with your money and with your resource, with your time, your gifts, and your talents. God may sow back into another area of your life that you really have a need in. May heal your marriage, but that the idea is you don't have you don't you don't have God's hands tied because you're trusting Him with everything He's given you. Good. Last thing. I'm a steward of my own eternity. John three thirty six. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. You here today. Just like several people in the first service who gave their hearts to the Lord, you get to decide where you're going to spend eternity. No preacher, no priest, nobody can do that for you. They can't sprinkle you or do something to you to make you, okay, you're good now. No. The Bible, if you believe the Bible, the Bible says the only way to spend eternity with God in heaven and have peace with God is through putting your faith in Jesus Christ. It says it all through the Bible. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. Let's think about that just for a second. That, that phrase right there, really, if, if you've never read the Bible, could rub you the wrong way. I thought God was a God of love. And now you're saying, if I don't accept Jesus Christ, God's mad at me. That's not what that means. God's wrath has to do with spending an eternity outside of heaven. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden... Sin entered humanity, and God's wrath at that point began. 
But God's wrath is not today. God's not mad at you today. God, what, what, what John's talking about here is God, God's wrath is stored up. And God's wrath comes in the fact that I've loved you so much. I sent my only son to die for you. Here's an opportunity. Put your faith in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Believe He's the Son of God. And you will be relieved from the wrath of a, a, a very real place called hell. See, God, God didn't create hell for us. And He did everything He could to keep us out of hell. And I get to decide for my... I can't believe how many pastors and, and people who are prominent Christian people are starting to take the Bible and say things, you know what, hell's just an allegory. Hell's just a metaphor. Jonah wasn't really swallowed by a fish. How could that happen? It's true. The Bible's true. And so you can't just believe some of it and not believe the other part. And it says that to escape the wrath of God, we believe in our hearts. We confess Jesus. We talked about that last week. Let's look at this next scripture. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Wow. Christianity is a really cool thing. Because the Bible says all we have to do to be saved is to confess Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the one true Son of God. Now, that starts a journey. It's not like a one-time deal and you're, hey, I did that and I, um, I'll catch you later. <laughs> it's a journey. I'm read my Bible. I'm going you know, I'm I'm to walk this thing out. I'm going to live. I'm going to be fruit. I'm going to have fruit of the Spirit in my life. I'm, I'm going to... So, but the start of that journey starts with you deciding if you actually believe this book and if you are ready to put your faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and be at peace with God so that you're a good steward of, of your eternity. Bow your heads all over this place before you're dismissed. That's you and you say, Jason, you know what? I, I've not been a, a good steward of the fact that I'm going to spend eternity somewhere. Maybe you're here and you need a fresh start. Things aren't going well in your life and you're realizing right now that you need Jesus Christ in your life and, and you're ready to confess Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You're ready to walk out of here today forgiven, knowing that you're at peace with God. If that's you, anywhere in this room right now, would you slip your hand up long enough for me to see it and put it right back down? I need Jesus. I see your hand. Anyone else? I see your hand. Thank you. I don't want to miss anybody. That's awesome, buddy. I see it. Just put it, just slip it up and put it right back down. It's between you and the Lord. I see your hand. Thanks. That's awesome, man. I see it. I, I need to be at peace with God, and I'm realizing the only way I can do that is to have my my faith in my heart and by confessing, by raising my hand. I see your hand in the back. Thank you. Before we pray, anyone else? I want to pray with you. And when we're done praying, go out to the tent on the east lawn and grab a Bible. Get a devotion that will help you out this week. And maybe chat with somebody. If somebody invited you to church today, tell them about the decision you made. Speak it. It's very powerful. But if you raised your hand, just pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for loving me and thank you for chasing me. And thank you that in this room right now, God, I'm making a decision. Because of your love, I'm making a decision to confess Jesus Christ as my personal Savior.
And I believe in my heart. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. God, I believe He's your, your Son. I believe that He was born of a virgin. I believe He lived a sinless life. I believe He took my death and sin on the cross. I believe that they placed Him in a grave. And I also believe He rose from that grave on the third day. And I believe He's in heaven today praying for me. And He's coming back for me one day. So, Lord, thank You right now that Your love and Your grace and Your mercy are flooding my soul. And that I'm, I'm a new creation. And this new journey that you're going to have me on is going to be awesome. In Jesus' name, amen.